How many people know that life is, is full of surprises? And uh, even when you're not ready, you got to be ready. Well, our, our guest speaker didn't show up tonight, so I'm ready. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He must have got confused. It was uh, two dates that we were going back and forth with this, this Friday and next Friday. And we already had someone next Friday, so we said it was this Friday. And, um, well, he's not here, and uh, Pastor Paul is. But I'm going to do my best on short's notice to bring down the heavens. Amen. Mark chapter 2, if you could. I am going to be reading 12 verses. If you could uh, start at verse 1, stick with me for a few minutes. I, I have a word from heaven, uh, a declaration to make uh, over your lives. Uh, this, this could be the day or the moment that somebody gets the word that they're believing God for. Amen. Chapter 2, verse 1, and it says, again, he entered Capernaum, they're talking about Jesus, after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, and not even by the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. Thank God for those four men. Amen. How many people have needed uh, four men sometime in their life? And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had, had broken through and let him down in the bed which the paralyzed man was lying, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Sons, your sins are forgiven. I'm sure that's not what he was looking for. Amen. Have you ever been in a place where you're looking for something from somebody and they give you something else and I guess expect you to be satisfied with it? Well, he wasn't looking for the forgiveness of sins. He was looking for a healing. And some of the scribes were sitting there reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were reasoning thus with themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you shall know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that they were all amazed, glorifying God, saying, we've never seen anything like this before. We can look at this portion of Scripture and see a few dynamics of the ministry of Jesus Christ and the will of God, which is to heal set free from the power of sin and death, and to save that which is lost. This is very evident in the opening moments of Jesus' ministry where he proclaimed the words of the prophet Isaiah. 
In chapter 61, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all those who mourn, to console all those who mourn in Zion, to give beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be tra- called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that God may be glorified. We can see this in action in Mark chapter 2. The reason why I, be- I believe the Lord gave me this message is for the purpose of this thing called I call sometimes discoveries. And the, the title of this message is called the sometimes of your miracle. And the reason why I call it the sometimes of your miracle is because of these sometimes discoveries. Because although God does what he wants, how he wants, when he wants, he often leaves traces and trails of his various ways. He moves in our lives and speaks to us to give us hope and ultimate faith in him. The sometimes discovery. Sometimes God will do it this way. Sometimes God will do it that way. God is not restrained to move or to answer prayers in any certain way. But you do know that he is bound to answer prayers because he claimed and said that anything that you ask according to my will that he would do. Is that what, is that what the word says in John chapter 15? He says, anything you ask. So the way that God decides to do things in your life is his business. But he has made in his revealed word to us that he intends to answer our prayers. He intends to move in our lives. He intends to do miracles in our life. He intends to do for with us often what we're not able to do for ourselves. Has God has ever done anything for any of you that you couldn't do for yourself? one of the things that I've noticed in this portion of scripture and one of my first sometimes discovery is called sometimes there must be a breaking. Things often look at worse right before your miracle. Things often get worse before God answers your prayers. We can look in Mark chapter 2 verse 4. It says that when he could not, the crowd could not, come near from him because of the crowd. If they could not get near to Jesus because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof so that when they had broken through and let him down through the bed, which the paralyzed man was laying. Now, I want you to paint a picture of what's going on at this. This, this is a man that is not well. He's been paralyzed. He's not able to work. He's not able to function. He's not able to take care of himself. He's been on the side of the road begging for money. He's been uh, depending on people to get him from place to place. He's been, he's been de- depending on people to help him do things that we take for granted that we're able to do every single day. And here he is. He has four men. Thank God for the four men that come alongside him and say, listen, we're going to pick you up and we're going to bring you to a place so you could be made well. That's good news, isn't it? 
That sounds like a great deal. I mean, if I was not able to walk at all, if I was handicapped at all, and somebody says, listen, I got the, I got the, I got the answer for you. How many people have been told somebody had the answer for them and found out it wasn't the answer? Well, this, <laughs> this guy is like, I got what you need. Come with us. So they pick this guy up, and you, you have to know that he's probably doubting. He's probably saying, like, yeah, we'll see how this works out. The guy has been like this his whole entire life. Have you ever had somebody tell you that they were going to give you something that was going to fix something, but you've been so disgusted for so long, you've been so let down by people and situations and circumstances for so long that you had no faith in what was about to happen? I have to believe that he was probably in this situation. I have to believe that many of you that are in the program probably felt that way when you came to the Ministry of Teen Challenge. Man, I've tried all the secular programs. I've tried this program. I've done that. I've tried meditation. I even got acupuncture, and I got all these different things trying to find an answer, and yet somebody is telling me, come over to 416. There's the answer. Okay, I'll try it. I'll do it basically because I have nowhere else to go and, and nobody else will take care of me anymore, but I'll give it a shot. So here's this guy being carried by four men, and they're going to take him to this guy as if things are not bad enough. He gets to the door, and he can't get in because of a bunch of well people that probably were not going to follow Christ in the first place, that were there for the show, were there for the spectacle, and yet this man had a desperate need, and he couldn't get to the Messiah. He couldn't get to him. And then here come the four men with all the good ideas. We've all had some friends with some great ideas. They're like, let's bring them on the roof and break them through. <laughs> if this is not a bad situation getting worse... I don't know what it is. Come on, you've been with friends that had some great, great ideas, and, and you didn't realize how great they were until you were getting bailed out of jail or something like that, but everybody has a great idea, right? We'll just climb on the roof, and we'll tear the roof apart. This doesn't seem anything. I bet at this point the paralyzed man was probably like, listen, just bring me back to where I was. Lay me back. I'm good. We're not going up there. Then you got these four guys trying to convince him to go on a roof, probably embarrassing the poor guy, probably slipped a few times. I mean, come on, we got to think about this. We read it in the book. We read it in the scripture. But you got to think about this story a little bit and think about, read between the lines a little bit about what's going on. So they get this guy on the roof, and they begin to tear apart a roof. What am I trying to tell you? That don't get discouraged. Sometimes you're waiting on God and you need a miracle and you need him to do something in your life. And you've gone and you've been exhausted and you've tried every single thing. And you find yourself being carried on a roof to be broken through a roof. Which makes no sense. Why can't we just move the people out of the way? Why can't we just tell them? Why can't we go through a window? Why can't one of you guys go in there and bring Jesus out here first? They probably, this guy probably had a hundred different ways that he could get his miracle and get his answer. Yet he had to trust these four men to get pulled on a roof, probably a little embarrassing, to have a roof broken up. And sometimes we're at a place in our life where God is breaking up a roof. It makes no sense to us. It doesn't seem like the sensible thing to do. It doesn't seem like it's not the way he did it for Johnny. It's not how he answered Sally's prayers. It's not how Uncle... Jeremy got, got his miracle. 
It's not how I've ever seen anything before. Why does he have to do it this way? And sometimes things tend to get worse before they get better. We see this in portion of scripture. I don't know how much worse it can get than being a paralyzed man, being told somebody has the answer, finally finding four guys that are willing enough to carry you over there, find out that you can't get in the house. And some of us here tonight are sitting at that place where we just feel like we can't get in the house. We're being pulled up on a roof, and we feel humiliated, and we feel like, do I really have to go through this, and is this really necessary? And I'm here to tell you, sometimes there's got to be a breaking. Sometimes things have to get worse before they get better. And God is still still in the, uh, the, the, the same ministry of healing and setting free and saving. But imagine this man's discouragement when it appears people aren't considering his circumstances at all. He probably felt like David when David said, I am forgotten like a dead man out of my mind. I am like a broken vessel, for I hear the slander of many. Fear is on every side, while they take counsel together against me and scheme to take my life away. But as for me, I trust in the Lord. I say you are my God, and my times are in your hands. Because sometimes things get worse before they get better, and sometimes there needs to be a breaking. My second point is sometimes you need a little help. Mark 2, chapter 3, it says, Then they came to him, bringing a paralyzed man carried by four men. What if the paralyzed man didn't have these four men? These men didn't have the need or desperation, but had to believe for, believe for a friend. I'm telling you now, it's important to surround yourself with these kind of people that will go out of their way to believe God for you, even if it means they're believing God more for you than you're believing for yourself. What if he didn't have these four men? What if he didn't like the four men? What if one of the other four men was from a different race or a different religion? What if, what if one of the four men were a Democrat? God forgive me. Just kidding. No politics. Did you ever think about that? What if he didn't want to accept the help that he was getting? It reminds me of this, being in the ministry here for a while. I've dealt with a lot of men, a lot of women, um, a lot of parents, husbands, wives. And you'll often have them bring Junior to you. Junior will be all skinny and all hurting from his addiction and from his choices and Black, sunken in eyes, that gray color on his skin. You know how the guys look when, or the ladies look when they come in. Looking close to death. And you'll have parents bring their children to you. And say, listen, can you do anything to help my child? Anything. We'll do anything. You begin to say, okay, you know, we'll take him in. We'll help him. We'll get him together. Get him looking good. Get some clothes on him. Get him some weight. Eat some food. 
They come back a month later, and they're like, wow, Junior's looking great. He's even sounding different, and I can see the color in his eyes again, and his skin is looking so much better, and he, he's actually got his chin up, and he doesn't have that depression hanging over him anymore. And a couple months will pass, and they'll see Junior, and they'll be like, yes, you know, Junior came home for his first eight-hour pass, and he was even praying over uh, dinner, and he quoted some scriptures, and he was telling me uh, some of the things that he's learning and how his life is changing and how he's thinking totally different and he's so grateful and he's so so thankful for the program he's so thankful for what God is doing in his life and it's just the most wonderful thing in the world and the parents they bring back their son and they're like this is the most amazing thing I don't know it's like I have my son back it's just so wonderful and it's so good and we just feel so encouraged about the future and we have this hope that we haven't had in so long and it's like I know it's just great it's just wonderful and then a month later I get a phone call and they're like we're going on a family vacation to Florida. We'll be gone for two weeks, and we'd like to take Junior with, with us. And I say, listen, I don't know if that's a good idea. I, I don't know if Junior's ready for that. I mean, he's doing good, but I just think you just need to leave him where he's at, continue working the process, continue Keep him, keep him where he's at. I just think that's what's best for him. Oh, but it's a family thing, and and then and the, the whole family's going to be there, and they're coming from Canada, and they're, they're flying in from here, and we're going to have presents, and we're going to eat all this food, and he hasn't seen his cousins in so long. It's just going to be wonderful, and I'm going to be there, and the family will watch him, and it'll just be wonderful. Junior's looking so good. He's doing so good. I'm like, ma'am, sir, I, I understand. It sounds like wonderful. It sounds like a wonderful time. I mean, I almost want to go with you myself, but I just don't think it's great. I don't think Junior's ready. Well, we're taking Junior anyway. See, sometimes we don't accept the help that God is extending because we want to take it into our own hands. And as long as the help we're getting agrees with us and works for us, we're okay. See, what if this paralyzed man didn't like one of the four men? What if, what if one of the four men was a different religion at the time? What if he was from a different tribe, a different part of the tracks, not the train tracks, but you know what I'm saying. And sometimes we're like that. We don't accept the help that's God giving us because we only want the help to look like the way we want it to look. And I love what Bill Kirk says. He says, if you'll fix the fix that God fixed for you, God will fix another fix to fix you. Which means sometimes we just got to leave things in God's hands. And we got to accept the help that he's getting and just go with it. Just allow the four men to carry us, to take us where we're, because those are the people that God is using in our life. And I've learned that so often in the ministry is that as long as the help is feeling comfortable, as long as it makes sense in our mind, we're okay with it. My third point, and I'll be closing here, is sometimes you have to do something you've never done before to have something you've never had before. See, immediately he rose and took up the bed in the presence of them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God. Saying we have never seen anything like this before. Because sometimes 
You have to do something you've never done before to have something you've never had before. Abraham left all he knew to receive his promise. Moses had to take his first step into the Red Sea. Esther stormed into the king's throne room to save her people. David stood before a giant with five smooth stones. Peter stepped out of a boat and walked on the water, listened to a carpenter about where the fish, and preached the first sermon of the New Testament What is God telling you to do? And sometimes we have to do things differently than we've ever done before if we want something that we've never had before. You see, I I read a story about a century ago about a band of brave souls that became known as the one-way missionaries. Instead of suitcases, they would pack all they had in coffins as a symbol of them being dead to themselves. A.W. Milne was one of those missionaries. He set sail for the new hybrids in the South Pacific, knowing full well that headhunters had killed and martyred every other missionary that ever gone before him. Milne stepped out of, in faith and packed up his coffin. He lived amongst the tribe for 35 years and loved them. And when he died, they buried him in the middle of the village, and it was inscribed on his tombstone, and it said this, When he came, there was no light, but when he left, there was no darkness. You see, sometimes you have to do something you've never done before to have something you've never had before. Sometimes you have to do something you've never done before to have something you've never had before. It may not look like you used to. It may not look like something you've drawn up. It may not look like something you imagined in your mind. It may have not happened the same way for your brother. It may have not happened the same way for your Uncle John, but I'm here to tell you, God will move in your life. God will move some things around. He'll blow your mind how he'll answer your prayers, and he doesn't have to do it the same way. Sometimes he'll take you on a roof. Sometimes he'll take you through an underground tunnel. Sometimes he'll have four men carry you. Sometimes he'll tell you to just get up and walk yourself, but I'm here to tell you today that whatever you're hoping for, whatever you're believing for, don't give up God. Don't give up on God. Don't try to figure Figure it out your own way. Just trust them. Just trust them. And here's the thought I want to close here with right now is this. This is what I want to close with, with this whole thought right here. See, there's different seasons in your life. Sometimes these seasons change in a day. Sometimes they change in a week. Sometimes seasons last for years. God, and I'm talking about spiritual seasons that God has. I'm not talking about the the fall and the winter, and I know sometimes the winter seems like it lasts forever, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spiritual seasons in your life. You know, it's funny here because God looked at the man who was paralyzed, who obviously had a need, and he looked at him and he said, listen, your sins are forgiven. Now, how many people know that that's a supernatural act for somebody to actually eternally forgive you of your sins, to watch you clean? What Jesus was doing was not something that was of the natural. It was supernatural. But it didn't look supernatural because anybody could say that. Anybody could do that. I could tell this brother, your sins are forgiven. Now, I can forgive him of what he's done to me, but I can't forgive him of sins. Only God can forgive him. But Jesus was speaking a word, a declaration to this brother, saying, listen, your sins are forgiven in word. Nobody would have known that, truly, that that really happened but Jesus and the Father. Now, 
this man would have known when he went to go stand before God and he was washed clean. But nobody else would have known that. Because there's a season in your life, and this is what I'm ministering to. I'm ministering to somebody who has a promise that you're losing hope. This is what I'm ministering to. There's a season in your life when God will begin to declare words in your heart and over your life. There'll be things like, I'm going to pull you out of this. If you, you slay your life and you serve me, I promise you, you'll have this or you'll have that or you'll be this or you'll, you'll be that. I promise you won't stay in this, this present circumstance. And he, he begins to speak lie, words like, you're forgiven. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. My grace is upon you. My mercy is upon you. My plan is with you. And you begin to hear these words in your spirit as you go and as you walk and as you pray and as you listen to him in times of worship and he begins to speak these words over you and it's between you, him and God and you hear all these things and if you hear them long enough sometimes you start to lose faith in what the words you're hearing but I'm here to tell you there's a time and there's a season when God will speak to you and declare things into your spirit and into your heart but there's also a season and a time when things change where he's not speaking it anymore. He's telling you to get up and walk so that what he's been saying inside your heart, what he's been telling you in your spirit is no longer a word, but it's a physical action. And you see a dead man rise. You see a man get up from the, the bottomless pit of, of addiction, from the bottomless pit of alcoholism, and they get up and they begin to see the blessing of God upon their life. There's a season. There's a season. But you have to go through that season. You have to hear the words, I'm forgiven. And you have to hold on to them. And you have to believe. Because eventually, you're going to get to that place where he's done just talking about it to you. Where he's saying, son, now I'm going to show you the blessing I've spoken over your life when you were a young man. The gift and callings I've placed in your life when you were a little boy. I'm about to say, get up and walk. And not only will you know it, but everybody that you encounter will know that the Lord has spoken over your life. Hallelujah. 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 Here's the thing. Sometimes it's hard to believe that. You've been believing for a long time. You've been hoping for a long time. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you're, if you're lacking in faith, and you're worried, I don't know if God will do that for me. That's okay. Because he's not just doing it for you. The Bible says, when he woke, when he stood up and walked, that they all glorified God. I'm here to tell you that your life is not a painting for you. It's not a masterpiece just for you. It's so that God will be glorified through your life. So if you cannot believe, that'll do you a favor. If you can't believe, that'll show you some kindness. Believe that he will show himself strong and glorify himself in the earth through your life. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Seasons will change. Seasons will change. The night will become day. What was spoken in word will become reality. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.